That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This baby was the greatest gift the world would ever know. For this is how God loved the world. He gave the greatest gift, His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. church. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? Good to see each of you. I discovered this morning dancing is a lot harder than I thought, okay? So I'm still a little bit out of breath, so you'll have to bear with me this morning, but I am so glad to be worshiping with you. And if I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, my name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we're glad that you're with us. And if it's your first time here, maybe in person, or if you're watching online for the first time, welcome. We are in the middle of our holiday series. And so we're spending a few weeks talking about the greatest gift and really looking and reflecting on this idea of what we talk about around the holidays and what that means for us. And that as we stop and we reflect and we worship and we give thanks to God for giving himself, how that can change. And last week we talked about how God gave himself. And that idea of God giving himself changes maybe the way that we approach family at the holidays or the Christmas parties we have to go to, or even the gifts that we give around this season. And so we wanna continue with this thought of the greatest gift. And today we're looking at this idea, the gift that keeps on giving. The gift that keeps on giving. And if you're taking notes, I wanna encourage you to write that down and um, write down something that God may challenge you with or speak to you about this Sunday, the gift that keeps on giving. I was remembering, um, this was many Christmases ago, and I'm a child of the 80s. I don't know if anyone else is kind of there. It's probably 83 or 84, and my mom and my dad set my brother and me down, Michael, and they said, hey, we're gonna let you open a Christmas gift early. It was Christmas Eve, and you guys get to open a Christmas gift early. And I was pumped. I usually get to open a Christmas gift early because Christmas Eve is my birthday. And so my parents are like, go pick a gift from under the Christmas tree and happy birthday. And that's what my birthday felt like. But this is different. My brother and I both, we got to open up this gift and my parents are like, hey, we got you a special gift. And so we start to tear into the wrapping paper. And when we do, we see an Atari 2600. Does anyone remember yeah. this, right? 
And the, the game that came in the Atari was a game called Kangaroo. You can see that right up here, okay? I don't know why, but whoever designed this game thought it was a fun idea to have a boxing kangaroo, like knockout monkeys that are throwing apples at you. I don't know if anyone played this, but it's a game that generically came with that. And we were so pumped, we put that into the, the Atari set, we turned on the TV, and this is what it looked like. Very different. I don't even know if that's a kangaroo or a monkey, you guys, right? But this was high tech. You need to understand this. There was no PS4. There was no virtual reality. There was no Xbox. Like this was top of the line. This was better than Grand Theft Auto at the time or anything else. Okay. Like we were so pumped about this and we played this game all night long. Like we just kept playing and it doesn't really change. This is almost every level. It looks exactly the same, but we thought it was the best thing ever. I remember the next morning we got up after we'd slept in for a little bit, we didn't even really wanna open our other Christmas presents. We just wanted to play Atari. We thought this was so amazing. And for my brother and me, this felt like the game that kept on giving. Um, we lived in a small town in Arkansas, so no one had Nintendo, you guys. It was all Atari at that point. And our family had an Atari. So we felt so special and eventually we got other games. But, but after a while, like as we got into our teenage years, this ended up in a box somewhere, right? Probably like Christmas gifts that you've gotten um, somewhere in our attic or it was given away or donated at some point. It really was not the gift that kept on giving. But when we look at the Christmas story, in Jesus coming, it makes an impact, not just one day of our life, not just even during a season of maybe after Thanksgiving and into the Christmas season, but throughout the year, this is the gift that keeps on giving. And Jesus coming to this world makes a difference and it makes an impact in each of our lives. And that's what I wanna focus in on today is this gift that God has given us and what it means to each of us. I was reminded of this quote that Steve Jobs gave and he was talking and he said, here at Apple, um, he's the founder of Apple and he said, here at Apple, our approach is slightly different from our competitors. He said, our job is not to give people what they want. He said, if Henry Ford had asked the customers, what do you want? They probably would have said, give us a faster horse and we would have never gotten the automobile. He said, our desire is to give people what they need before they know that they need it. He said, we're filling in the pages, um, we're filling in the lines on a blank page before anyone knows that it should be written. And this idea did not start with Steve Jobs. This is what God did in sending his son because we didn't necessarily know what it is that we need or what it is that our life requires or what is going to help us, but God did. And he sent his son, and this idea that Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving, that it impacts us all throughout the year. And so I want, to look, I want us to look at what it is that Jesus brings. More than just this baby in a manger, more than just wise men or shepherds around the Christmas story. What was it that God coming, him wrapping himself up in flesh, what did that bring to our lives? And how does that change the way that we live, both at this holiday season and throughout the year? And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. And verse 21 is where we're going to start. And then hold on to that for just a second. And the first thing that we see in this Christmas story is Jesus gives salvation. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, we see that Jesus gives salvation. That's the story here. Now, you may know parts of the story, but let me kind of fill in some of the gaps that you may not know about the Christmas story. This is a love story, okay? 
maybe you've never thought about that, but it begins with a young man and a young woman who are going to be married. And I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us all of the details of their um, love story, of their romantic involvement. I don't know if it was kind of an arranged marriage and then they fell in love or if they had met each other at a young age and they kind of grew up together. But when we're brought into the story, they love one another, they're going to get married. And so in that culture, whenever they were engaged, whenever they were betrothed, um, however you wanna say that, um, this was his fiance, Mary and Joseph, it was kind of a binding contract that they were in. This was a set deal. There were probably conversations that had to be had and covenants and commitments that were made at this point. This was a locked, sealed deal. But Joseph finds out at some point in the engagement that Mary is pregnant. And he knows that's not my kid. And so he's trying to deal with what do you do in that moment when you love someone? And he really does love Mary. And you can see that in the story. And he decides, I'm not going to publicly embarrass her. I'm not gonna kind of air out her laundry in front of the whole community. And so this is what'll happen is I'll quietly send her away. I'll go on my way. The engagement will just be dissolved. We'll kind of both separate and we'll just both end up living our own lives. That's how I'll handle this situation until he receives a vision. He sees an angel that appears to him. And the angel begins to tell him, Joseph, this baby that Mary is carrying, this is, it's something miraculous. This is something supernatural. This is something that God has done. This wasn't brought about by human will. This is God himself speaking and bringing life into this world. And so if you still have your Bibles open there, Matthew chapter one, verse 21, the angel that appears to Joseph says this to him, Mary will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. See, Jesus gives salvation. I was talking to some of our younger kids about this, and when they were asking about the Christmas story, I was telling them, hey, his name wasn't really Jesus. And they were like, what? Maybe he didn't know that, but that really wasn't his name. The angel, what he would have said was Yeshua. So turn to the person next to you and say that. That's a fun word. Yeshua. Okay. So when Jesus was a toddler and Mary or Joseph called him. That's what they would have said is Yeshua. And names in that Jewish culture, they held meaning. And they named Yeshua, which is probably somewhat similar to Joshua in our language. Yeshua meant salvation. And what the angel was saying is, you're to call this baby, you're to call this young boy, you're to call him salvation because he is going to save his people from their sins. Now, Joseph would have understood this because of the story that all young Jewish kids grew up hearing. And it was the story that was a part of their national culture and that they would have told and they would have heard about in synagogue over and over again that at the very beginning of time, that as God created the first man and the first woman, as he knelt down and he breathed the breath of life into them and they became living beings, that in those verse, first few days or in that first few moments, that first time that Adam and Eve rebelled against God. And they said, God, we've got this figured out, right? We can do this our own way. We know better than you. We know how this should work. So God, we're not gonna follow your directions or your instructions. We're gonna do this on our own. And as they broke covenant with God, they disobeyed, they allowed sin to enter the world. There was brokenness. And God, in those first few moments, looked at Adam and Eve and he said, hey, I'm making you a promise. Don't forget this. Through your offspring, there is gonna be a baby that is gonna be born and he is gonna crush the head of Satan. 
He's going to enter this world and he's going to restore the brokenness that you have allowed into this world. At the very beginning, God made that promise. But over time, brokenness did so much in our world and it caused wars and it caused bad kings to rise up and bad kingdoms. It caused even God's own people to worship other gods, to sacrifice their own kids. It caused adultery and betrayal and murder. It caused a lot of things. And over time, the Jewish people forgot about that and they just wanted a way out. Like they just wanted to be a strong nation again. They wanted to be economically sound. They wanted to be kind of a political powerhouse where they were at. And so their prayer went from this salvation to send to just God rescue us, send us a king, send us a warrior, send us someone who's gonna overthrow Rome. But that's not what the angel says on that day. He says, Yeshua is gonna bring salvation from your sins. You may not even know that you need this yet, but I'm sending you what it is that you need because your sin is crushing you. Can you think back to the first moment where you ever told a lie? Just think back to that. Maybe you were at school and you maybe wanted to make yourself sound a little bit better than you were. Your parents caught you doing something that you knew you should not be doing. And you thought, if I lie my way out of it, this is gonna turn out okay. If you can remember that, that first moment, the Bible describes sin entering into our lives and that sin we carry, it says it's like a weight. And I don't know why, but this week I started working out, so I am so sore right now. This always happens when I have an illustration like this. But it's like a weight you're carrying around that now you've gotta take everywhere with you this weight of sin. But the truth is you haven't just told one lie in your life, have you? And I've not just told one lie in my life. Like we lie so much. We lie to get out of problems. We lie to get out of situations. We lie at work because we messed something up or we made a mistake. We lie to make ourselves sound better. We lie all of the time. And it's not just one rock, but it's hundreds and it's thousands of this crushing weight. But it's not just lies, is it? It's lustful thoughts, it's jealous thoughts. Why did they get that and I didn't get that? I want that, it's gossip. It's every time we tear someone down with our words, hundreds of these rocks crushing us. Every murderous thought, every time of I wanna get back at them, I can't believe they got that. And I, all of those things are crushing us, but it's not just your rock or my rock and it's not just our hundreds of rocks, but it's 7.8 billion people in the world. And that's just what lives on the earth right now but you look all throughout history and all into the future, this will kill us, you guys. And God knew that this crushing weight of destruction and of brokenness, it was more than you and I could bear. We could not carry this on our own. All of the lies, all of the jealous thoughts, God knew this. He knew what you and I needed that we didn't even know we needed yet was salvation from our sins. And so God said, that's what I'll do is I'll send my son. Yeshua means salvation. He's gonna free you from your sins. He's gonna liberate you from this broken, this crushing weight that's all over your life that is destroying you, that's weighing you down. And so Jesus came and he took that weight upon himself. And some of us don't really understand that about salvation. We get this idea that we come to Christ and that God does something and then that's kind of it. Like, yeah, I did that one time and, and that kind of worked for me. And then maybe I remember, or maybe I try to, to remember that every once in a while, but it's not something that continually is given in our life. We have, I think I mentioned last week, we've started decorating for Christmas. We do this every year. So in our living room are a whole lot of Christmas decorations. And I took a picture so you can see, like this is one of the bookshelves and then the stockings in the fireplace. 
Sarah has different decorations that rotate for every season. So in the fall, there's like pumpkins and leaves. Um, in the spring around Valentine's Day, there's maybe different hearts or different photos or different things. But if you can see right there in the middle, there is a crystal clock, okay? It doesn't move. It stays there no matter what the seasons are, no matter what else is going on. The nativity scene kind of comes and go, that crystal clock stays there. We've had that crystal clock for over 20 years, okay? It's been in every house and every living room we've had. It was a wedding present from a good friend of mine. And I think back to that crystal clock and I think, you know, in apartments we lived in, houses, all of those things, I don't know if I've ever looked at that crystal clock to find out the time. It looks really pretty. Matter of fact, in our first apartment, we didn't have any furniture. We stuffed a luggage bag full of clothes so it would kind of cushion us, and that was our couch. We put boxes out, and that was our dining room table. But you guys, we had a crystal clock. And I think it's real crystal, and I'll tell people that, like, man, it looks so pretty. It's been knocked over by our kids. Like, I don't think any of the inside parts work anymore, but it is a crystal clock. And can I be honest? That's how some of us treat salvation. Yeah, I did that like five years ago, 10 years ago. I prayed a prayer. I asked Jesus, I, I try to be a good person. Like I try to read my Bible. I try to come to church as long as other things don't really interfere with that. Like I try to do something good. It's that crystal clock that's sitting on the bookshelf, but it doesn't impact us every day. And he said, this is the gift that keeps on giving. And I'd love to tell you that you can come to Jesus and that in one moment he takes away your sins and you never struggle again. You never have any temptations. You're never tempted to lie or, or to do anything wrong again, but that's not the way it works. See, salvation is a process in our life. Yeah, it's one moment where we pray and where we're asking Jesus and we confess that belief, but then we need him the next day, you guys. And we need him a week later. And Jesus knew this is the gift that's gonna keep on giving because my salvation isn't just a one-time thing in your life. You're gonna be tempted to lie or to sin or to betray someone else or to hurt someone. You're gonna have a wrongful thought and you're going to need me in your life day after day after day after day. This is Yeshua. He brings salvation to his people. He saves you from your sin, even when you don't know that you need it, even when you don't recognize it yet. He has given you his gift of salvation. That's why he came. See, this is the gift that keeps on giving. And church, I wanna ask you, as you enter into this holiday season, as you're going throughout your days and your weeks, are you remembering this? Have you accepted his gift in your life, that salvation, right? That saving from your sins, him directing you and him guiding your life. And I wanna encourage you with this, that you would take time this week and you would stop and just say, thank you, God. Your salvation wasn't a moment in a church service, maybe five years ago or one year ago where I prayed a prayer, God, your salvation is today. It's what I need right now in this moment, God. I need that gift to continually be given in my life, Lord. I need you when I go into the workplace. Students, you need him when you go into school and there's other influences in your life. You need that salvation, that gift that keeps on giving. But Jesus doesn't only give salvation, Jesus gives joy. He brings joy into your life. That's what happened on this first 
Christmas. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 2, verse 10. In Luke 2, 10, this is a verse that we read last week where the shepherds are out. You may be familiar with this story. It's on the night that Jesus was born. They're out um, right outside of the city of Bethlehem. They're taking care of some sheep. And all of a sudden, there are angels that appear in the sky. And Luke 2.10 says this, The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And if you have your Bibles out, you can underline that or highlight that. Good news of great joy. I want you to think about that. Good news of of great joy. That's what the angels declare. Now, I don't know how you picture angels or what it looks like in your nativity scene, but I don't know if we're picturing them right because every time they show up in the Bible, they have to tell people, okay, don't freak out. Don't get scared, right? Like, it's just me. I'm an angel. I'm a messenger from God. And so I don't know how they look, but it was probably very intimidating or it seemed different or, or odd in some way. But that's what has to happen over and over again. I'm assuming that's what ha- would happen with me if they ever appeared to me. And this is the message that they bring. Hey, this is good news of great joy to everyone. Doesn't matter what you're going through doesn't matter what the situation is like in your life. This is going to be good news of great joy because unto you today is born a savior. There's a baby that's been born, Christ the Lord. And and they give the signs of like, hey, this is how you're going to know that this is the savior. And they give them all those instructions. Now, it wasn't just joy because a baby's been born. It wasn't like that. I don't know if you have kids or maybe a close friend of yours has had kids and you go to the hospital and you hold them. I've seen very few people hold a baby and not smile, right? Like it's just what naturally happens. I remember um, our, one of our firstborn, Josiah, I think I have a photo here, right? And, and there's just peace and contentment in my heart. Um, he's 21 now, okay? And he could probably hold me like that because he's a big guy now. But whenever I held him and he was just, there was such joy in my heart. And and that happens whenever you hold any baby, but that's not exactly what they're talking about. They're saying, hey, there's something that this baby is bringing into our world. There's something that's coming with this baby that's not just the happiness that every child brings, the innocence or, or kind of the potential that you're holding in your arms. This baby is different that is coming into this world. And this baby will bring joy no matter what you are going through. His coming and his arrival is joy to our lives. Why? Because this is God coming near to us. For so much of our lives, we've thought, well, we're doing this on our own and it feels like we're trying to make it through life on our own and we're trying to fight on our own and we're trying to survive on our own. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, you don't have to do it alone anymore. I'm here with you. I'm present in the midst of that situation. Now, the shepherds could have said, angels, but you don't understand. We live in an impoverished nation. Like, we can't have joy because we're so poor. We don't have a lot of things. And even no matter how poor our nation is, we're some of the lowest class as shepherds. Like, we're outside of the city taking care of sheep in the middle of the night. We don't have a lot. There's not joy for us. Hey, angels, we live in a horrible political climate. Rome is oppressing us. We have this psychotic king named Herod who's trying to destroy us and he's supposed to be leading us, but he's a horrible leader. Like this place is a political mess. We can't have joy. Sound familiar? Sound like 2020? Yeah. 
And the angel says, no, this is good news of great joy because God is near to you. So it doesn't matter that Rome is still in power. God is near to you and that brings joy. It doesn't matter that you don't have a lot in the bank account. God is near to you and that brings joy. It doesn't matter that COVID is still going on. God is near to you and that brings joy. It doesn't matter when you get passed up for the promotion. God is near to you and that brings joy. Are you getting this church? His coming is that gift in our life. And it brings joy no matter your situation. This is joy to these shepherds because God has come near to them. He's bringing his presence. That is Emmanuel, God, near to us. So you're going to face some things. You're going to face probably more situations like 2020. You're going to go through difficulties. There are going to be broken relationships in your life. There are going to be family members that you've been close to. And now it's a little awkward every time you see them. Students at school, there are going to be disappointments. You don't get picked for the team. You don't get picked for that extracurricular activity. You get passed over at your job for that promotion, whatever it is. You're going to go through hard times. But the power of the Christmas story is not just once a year, not just when we kind of put up fake snow around our house or we decorate a tree. Every single day of the year, Jesus has come near to you. And he's saying, my presence my being close to you, that brings joy that you don't have to walk through these situations alone, that you don't have to go through these things by yourself. And so church, I wanna challenge you that once again this week, you slow down. And when you're feeling overwhelmed and you're feeling frustrated, that you would remind yourself, Jesus, you're right here with me. You're in this moment with me. You walked through the brokenness of our world. You lived for 33 years here on this world, God, you gave your life for me. You're close to us as your people, God. And that simple truth right there, that brings joy. It is the gift that keeps on giving. Let me give you one last thing, and it's this. Jesus gives counsel. Jesus gives counsel. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, maybe you've heard this verse shared around the holiday season. It says this, Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born for to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And what does Jesus bring? What is the gift that keeps on giving? It's Jesus gives counsel. It says right here, this baby that is being born to you, this salvation that's coming to your world, it is going to bring, he is going to be a wonderful counselor. Now, maybe in your mind, when you think of a counselor, you think of a long couch and you're kind of laid back on it and someone's asking you about your childhood or you're telling them about your weird dreams and they're telling you what that means. But that's not exactly what it's talking about here. And as I was looking and just studying kind of some of the context of when this was written and what counselor meant to them, it was this wise person that was there to give advice and direction. They had been down the road in front of you. They had experienced it before. They'd experienced it ahead of you. And so they kind of knew what life would hand you or what it would look like. And you would go to them and they would give you advice. When you were stuck at a crossroad and you didn't know what to, where to go, you wanted a guide or a counselor because they could recommend the right course of action. And that's what Jesus is. He comes into our lives not to just be something that sits on the shelf, not just to be something we remember as a baby or someone we remember as a baby one time a year. This is a wonderful counselor. 
and you're at work and you don't know what to do and you gotta make a decision on this project and you can stop because you have a wonderful counselor and say, God, what's the recommended course of action here? What do I do? Jesus, I'm gonna have to be around that annoying relative again at the holidays. You've been down this road in front of me. You dealt with some difficult people, Jesus. What advice would you give me? See, this is the gift that keeps on giving. He is a wonderful counselor. Not just once a year that we would remember him, but every single day that you and I would stop and say, okay, God, what do I need to do at this point? Where are you directing me? Where are you guiding me, God? What is it that your voice is wanting to speak into my life? What should I do in this situation? Because I don't know where to turn. This did not happen like I thought it was gonna happen and I don't want, know what to do. And he's that voice in your life that's there saying, hey, I'm gonna direct you. I'm with you in this process. I'm a wonderful counselor that's here to give you advice, to speak into your life, to comfort you, to guide you, to tell you where you need to head next. That's what he does. See, Jesus coming was that gift that keeps on giving. And the sad truth is that so many of us were just interacting with him so few times throughout the year. We're going through the busyness and through the routine and maybe if we're kind of routine, we'll even make it to church once a week where we worship and where we open up the scripture and we're reminded he wants to be so much more in your life, church. He's come to give you so much more, his salvation, his joy, his counsel. So no matter what you're going through, he is right there with you. He is that gift that keeps on giving. And I wanna pray for you this morning. I'm gonna ask if you would maybe take a moment and just bow your head and close your eyes and reflect on this. And in this room this morning, you may be here and you're feeling that weight, the rock that I was holding up. You're feeling the hundreds and thousands of bad decisions that you've made, mistakes that you've made, and it feels crushing in your life. You know that brokenness that I was talking about because you felt it inside of you. And the Bible tells us we can't fix ourselves on our own. We can't try to be good enough on our own. That's, we can't do that. You can't work your way into heaven. And the beauty of the Christmas story in the gospel is you don't have to. That's why Jesus came to give his life. He went to the cross, he died and he was resurrected for you, for your sin and for my sin. So maybe you're lacking joy, maybe you don't have counsel, maybe you need God's salvation in your life. He is here this morning, extending that to you, inviting that. If you're watching this, God's speaking to you. You're not watching this by accident. He wants to be a part of your life. And if you would be honest and say, Aaron, I'm not living like that. I don't have God as a part of my life. I'm more doing this on my own and trying to fix myself on my own. But this morning, I want that relationship. I wanna know that salvation that you're talking about. I wanna pray for us. And I'm gonna ask that everyone in this room, everyone watching online, that you say this prayer out loud because here at NCC, we don't want anyone praying by themselves. So we're all gonna say this together. I want you to repeat this after me. Jesus, I come to you and I need your salvation. I know that I've sinned and I need your forgiveness. So I invite you into my life. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. 
And I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate for anyone that may have prayed that prayer? I believe that, that God is doing something. If you prayed that, if you meant that in your heart, God's doing something that he makes us new. The Bible says that, that this is a brand new start for you. And we are excited for you taking that step and inviting Christ into your life or recommitting your life to Christ. Now, I want to lead us in one more prayer, but this time I'm going to ask that you not just listen to me or repeat after me, but right where you're at, that you would have a conversation with God. And maybe one of these things stood out to you. Maybe there's a sin that you're hiding that you think no one else knows about, and you need to surrender that and say, God, I need your salvation. Maybe you've been struggling with worry or anxiety and you need joy. Maybe you're facing a decision. And you need that gift that keeps on giving. You need wise counsel. You need to hear the voice of God in your life, his direction and his guidance. And so I'm gonna lead out, but once again, don't just listen to me. You don't have to say anything special. There are no special words you have to say. Just be honest, just have a conversation with God. This is what I'm facing. This is what I need from you, God. This is the help I need in my life. Let's pray together this morning, church. God, I thank you for this reminder. And Lord, I want this to be something that's more than just what we reflect on once a year at Christmas, but Lord, we're inviting you into our life to direct us and to guide us. God, to bring joy where we need joy, God, to help us, Lord, with the crushing weight of sin in our life, Lord, when we find ourselves being tempted. God, I pray this week that everywhere that we are at, every conversation that we are in, Lord, everyone that we're interacting with, God, that we would be reminded that you are present that you're that gift that keeps on giving it. God, we would carry you with us wherever we find ourselves and to be your light, to be your hope, to be your love and to be your joy wherever we go this week. Lord, let your presence be with us, walk with us. And I pray this in your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Take some time and evaluate what do you need this Christmas? God's salvation, his joy. Do you need a wonderful counselor? And then pray that Jesus' birth and his coming to this world would bring you that this holiday season. Spend time reflecting on how you can have that in your life during this season. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new, and we wanna know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co.